Welcome to the grant, the EU funding podcast. My name is Nis Tudor and I am the creator, editor and host of The Grant. The Grant is an independent non-commercial podcast initiative with the ambition to dig into all corners of the EU R&D funding system on topics of interest for the full EU R&D funding community. I am myself an old private grants consultant and it is a sector and people I care about. That's why I have allocated a specific corner of the grant to this sector under the label Consultants Corner. Here I give the sector a voice and dig into all kinds of issues relevant for this shadow sector like business models, the work as a grants consultant, how they develop business concepts, how they deal with the insane work pressure and so on and so on. This week's guest fit into this frame. He reached out to me and requested to join the show. Nikolaus Floratos has more than 20 years of experience most of the time as a grants consultant. He has developed a novel approach to grants consultancy based on a platform with different services with remuneration based on subscription. And it does not include the actual writing of the proposals for the clients, but on solid, supportive services. It became an interesting talk about this platform and the conditions for the grants consultancy sector in general when it comes to grants consultancy business model development. Please enjoy. The grant. Welcome to the Grand the EU Funding Podcast. The show is um, rolling on. Um, I have a little bit of a break with the timeline series. I still need to get some guests along to be able to finalize that. But as you all know, it's a never-ending story. It's a never-ending initiative. So eventually I will finalize the, the, the timeline series. Now, for today, I had a quickie, so to say, a quick a quick guest on board. Uh, he reached out uh, and we made a quick deal. And uh, then a couple of days later, here we sit. So um, before I introduce the subject and anything else, Nicholas, welcome. Nils, uh, thank you for that. Uh, I'm a big fan of your uh, podcast also, and I'm really happy to be here and share some of our knowledge and have a fruitful discussion together. And see, th- thank you so much, first and foremost, because this is exactly uh, uh, what is what is keeping keeping the blood streaming in the veins of any podcasters that you actually reach people and that uh, that that people like you get actually something out of what you do so it's it's a lonely game to be a podcaster uh, if you do it alone so it's it's always nice to get get compliments and and appreciations of what you do so thanks for that nikolaus um, so for the listeners today we're going to have a talk about a business alternative business models or ways of um, of developing a grants business uh, business model that's it has some twists and turns uh, in vis-a-vis a more classical way of 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 doing grants consultancy and you have all sorts of of companies out there that that do all kinds of ingenious ways of of attracting clients and making added value to 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 the the people they help um so 
you have developed a specific one, and we're going to have a talk about that today. Um, before we reach so far, um, could you shortly uh, present yourself? Yes, thank you for that. Um, uh, okay, my name is Nicolas, uh, Nicolas uh, Floratos, and uh, I'm an RNI coach. So I'm not an RNI teacher, I'm not an RNI uh, consultant. I like to call myself a research innovation coach. What does that mean? That means that uh, coaches are supposed to fulfill the vision or the dreams of their clients. And this is exactly what I'm aiming to do. I'm aiming to fulfill the, the vision uh, and the expectations of my clients, so my research applicants, uh, the grant applicants that are wishing to they have a great idea and that great idea serves their mission and their vision. So what I'm doing is I'm helping them to implement that idea through uh, some guidance on how to exploit European funding. So overall, this is yeah. what I do. If you Google a funding expert uh, from your place, from any location, you will see either my name or my academy, Funding Expert Academy, popping up first uh, with organic search. Uh, and this is because I share a lot of value with, um, uh, with uh, my public, uh, with the audience, and I would like uh, to receive also feedback uh, uh, from them. Um, thanks. What I always ask my guests to share is their experience, uh, so where they lie within the the proposal or project or, or facilitating spectrum, so to say. So are you a proposal developer? Do you write proposals or do you mm -hmm. build up uh, ideas or where, where's your key capacity and experience? Yeah, thank you for facilitating that. Uh, Well, being in this business uh, 25, 26 years already, I studied uh, in 1997 uh, as a consultant in uh, helping uh, companies and universities to exploit um, European funds, uh, research European funds. By that time, we had, I think, FP4 in 1997. Okay. So all these consecutive uh, years, I have been... Uh, Uh, fortunate enough to work uh, deeply in all the different spectrums and in the pre-award phase and in the post-award phase. Mm -hmm. So many, in many cases, I wear the hat of um, the grant uh, applicant. In other cases, I wear the hat or I have been wearing the hat uh, because I'm not doing that extensively anymore of the project manager of a European project, uh, of a European uh, uh, project. In other cases, I'm wearing and I'm still wearing the hat of the EC evaluator. I'm an evaluator on behalf of the European Commission since uh, 2003. So that makes it uh, more or less the last uh, 20 consecutive uh, years. And in some other cases, I'm wearing the hat also of uh, the external uh, quality evaluator. What does that mean? That means that projects that have been running and have been granted a fund, they engage me in order to give... Uh, an uh, unbiased uh, view on how the project progresses and what they should improve in order to perform better and fulfill the expectations of themselves first and secondly of uh, the European Commission. And the last hat that I'm wearing also is I'm a business angel myself. So I'm a member of the European Business Angel Network and I try through my other activities to invest also in innovative uh, startups. Very well. Thank you. 
Um, that's uh, that's good, long, strong experience. So that uh, that means that it's going to be a nice conversation that we will have now. Thank you so much. I hope so. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I don't have that. I've started my experience starts in 2008. Framework program six was about to end, as far as I remember. Uh, I was coordinating a FP six project. Um, but yeah, so that's that's as far back as I go. But it, it still feels like an eternity. <laughs> I can imagine. I can imagine time passes uh, uh, very quickly. But definitely, it's a, it's an exciting journey. I mean, I, uh, I, you're learning so many things. You're learning so many interesting uh, people. Uh, you are coming across with so many interesting ideas or with so many interesting innovations. So I can, I can say that... Uh, Sometimes uh, people uh, believe that I exaggerate, but I strongly believe that I, I, I make, at least as much as I can, uh, the world a better place. And how can I make that? Well, I make that by helping others to provide solutions for the society, for the economy, by getting uh, financial grants. It's uh, nice. It is, because that's, I guess, for guys like us, it's, uh, that's the treat of it, I guess. Um, the workload of it, it just it just broke me down, so I had to leave it. But uh, but the nice part of it is the content you make. Then there's a lot of work connected to, <laughs> to it. But uh, but if you manage to deal with that, it's uh, it's it, surely it's a, it's a lovely lovely uh, area to be working within. Yeah, because you meet so many thing. many interesting people. Exactly, and the important thing, to my view, is not to get panic. Uh, never hesitate to ask uh, help, uh, build, uh, never um, consider that you waste time when you train a colleague of yours uh, that is part of your team uh, to work together and help each other. It's always a very good uh, investment. And although, you know, consultants or coaches, they believe they can do uh, uh, anything, uh, they cannot do everything. So we need uh, to delegate, as I keep on saying to my students, don't delay, delegate. <laughs> it's an important, uh, it's an important uh, motto for, for me and I try to follow it as much as possible also in my business. All right. Um, as I also mentioned to you in our pre-talk, I always give my guests the, the possibility to, to shameless... <laughs> Shameless self-promote whatever organization they work for since I ask people to come in here free of charge. But even though you're requested, everybody get this chance because this is my show and I decide. <laughs> that's the that's the enjoyable part of being a non you know independent and non-commercial. So tell me, Nikolaus, shortly present the company. We will of course dig into your business model and how it works with that. So it's uh, but just shortly explain a little bit. Okay, um, no, no problem. Um, so the business itself, uh, as uh, actually as a coach, has started uh, almost 12 years ago. Uh, now uh, I was being involved in many European uh, funny projects, either writing them on behalf of uh, my organization, on behalf of other organizations, then managing uh, those projects on behalf of the organization that I have been involved but still what I felt like missing was, uh, although that was a great experience, I was meeting a lot of uh, people, I had to travel uh, a lot and I was uh, 
also uh, visiting uh, new places. It was an exciting journey, but still I was feeling something missing inside me. And um, by accident, uh, I was asked uh, to deliver a training on European uh, funds, on how to explore European uh, funds. Some, that happened 12 years ago, ago in a group of uh, 10-12 people. So it wasn't that big. But what I can remember from that, um, uh, from that uh, training was uh, two things. The feelings of uh, my students after the training, that they were feeling really confident that, yes, they can exploit now European funds. And on the other hand, um, an enlightenment and a positive feeling, a positive emotion inside me, uh, seeing all those faces and also me feeling fulfilled. And then I said, no, that's, that's what I will be doing for, for, for now on. I mean, this was, uh, this was what uh, actually came to me. Now, the vehicle of doing that, of course, uh, now is through my two companies, Key Innovations and Key Innovation Cyprus Limited. Before that, it was another company in uh, Greece. Uh, uh, before that, I was doing that individually as a freelancer. So it doesn't matter that much the vehicle of doing it. But uh, what is important for me is to find your mission and um, your vision and how you're going to do that is not that relevant. So the mission of me and of any company that I'm involved is to make professionals, to make individuals better professionals in exploiting European funds. So this is my mission and this is what I try to do every day. And what is my vision is um, becoming one of the most well-established coaches in research innovation, one of the most recognized in Europe the next one or two years. And actually, this is the, one of the reasons that I am in your podcast. So what I would like to conclude is, and probably we'll talk a little bit more about that later, is that it is important for everyone that is, is um, trying to... is. Uh, trying to work as a consultant, as a coach, as a research support staff, to have a clear mission and vision for themselves and then make the others fulfilling their own missions and visions. And this is what I'm trying to do. Yeah. And you can only do that when you have experience. Huh? So it's uh, so because you have, of course, you, with all those years of experience, it uh, you you do have the stamina and you have the the buffer, so to say, to deal with different kinds of people and situations and so on. So, yeah. um, but you're welcome. You can use this episode as much as you as 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 you want to uh, to spread the good word about uh, how you work and so on. So uh, be my guest. That's why. That's uh, you know. That's part of being on board such a thing like this. So you're welcome. Let's uh, let let's let's head on to the to the key subject of the of this episode. So uh, we'll talk about the open cosmos model. Uh, but before we do that, we'll have a fly in on the conditions in the grants consultancy sector. Um, and the challenges uh, developing strong business models because this the grant consultancy sector is a place of high it's 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 a very competitive sector uh, the, the 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 fees that 
uh, clients are prepared to pay for proposal preparation um, and so on. These services, it's not in the end of management consulting and tax consultants and so on. It's it's there's a little bit more critical view on on these kind of services from the client side. One of the reasons being that you cannot secure them that they get the the funding that they ask for. So that's that's something that that is always there and hanging there, which means. So this baseline condition means that companies in the sector, they have to stretch themselves a little bit on of what kind of way, what angle they take on, on the service they offer uh, and the, the fee models and so on. It's, it's, uh, I've, I've been working for one company. I know of other companies and ways that they do things. So I know a little bit about... Uh, how things go and 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 the way that that um, that you try to squeeze yourself as a company to make things attractive to to the clients that you try to approach now this means that guys like you because you are you are you uh, do you have any are you a one man band no no there is a team behind uh behind the open cosmos if uh, we're going to focus on uh, that. However, what we are doing, and I think that uh, the name consultant has been um, misinterpreted uh, in many different uh, ways, either in a positive or in a negative way. In a positive way, clients think that a consultant uh, is uh, a saver, someone that will uh, not only make their life uh, easier, but will... uh, Uh, take a lot of their workload and uh, then uh, is going to uh, is going to exploit some European funding opportunities and then uh, the client will receive some grant from those. Uh, uh, on the other hand, um, there is a negative interpretation on uh, consultants that uh, they might believe that they are overpaid, uh, they might be some waste of time. Uh, if they had, uh, e- some clients believe that they could have done a better job than them. So <laughs> uh, yeah. I, I, I'm not endorsing any of those, actually, personally. Um, what I, I believe, and that is my personal uh, manifesto if I may say, on what a consultant should be, is that in order to avoid that kind of misinterpretations, either over-expectations or under-expectations, we need to consider um, consultants as coaches. You need to see yourself as a coach, and this is at least what I see personally. I don't know how the others would see it. Um, And what is a coach? Coach is someone that in many cases... Uh, let's say in sports, cannot play. I play basketball personally. So my coach is not necessarily a better basketball player than me, but is the person that will make me believe in my powers, will make me increase my my strength, increase the performance in, um, in my game, and also will be the one that will orchestrate all the different personalities in one team in order to succeed and win the match. Exactly like that is what a consultant or a coach should be, personally, this is my personal opinion, in um, European funding and in our case in uh, European research funding programs like Horizon Europe. So what does that mean? 
That means that a consultant or a coach, that's why I, I self-introduce myself as a coach and not as a consultant, what should do is uh, probably uh, cannot write a better proposal than uh, the client uh, himself or himself. However, what he can do better is he can see the overall game. He can understand what are the weak points and the strong points of uh, his or her team. And uh, the team are uh, the clients, not the ones that are interested to uh, exploit the funds uh, with a grand application. So, he or she understands the weak points and the strong points uh, of uh, their clients, then uh, works a lot on uh, the strong points and exploits them extensively. And on the other hand, tries to, to eliminate as much as possible the weaknesses, either by uh, reworking some further strengths or by uh, introducing some other players in the team that they can uh, fill the gap and um, uh, eliminate those weaknesses. So, uh, for example, uh, we have a, a team that uh, uh, a team that is an expert in a scientific domain. Let's say that this is. Uh, uh, nanomaterials or it is uh, graphene and they want to write uh, a grant application regarding uh, graphene or new materials and they are excellent in that they know very well the state of the art analysis they know very uh, well what is missing they know what should be done however as scientists or experts uh, with vertical experience on that probably they might missing what will be uh, the impact of the future impact of that solution in the short term or in the long term. So now the coach should be able to understand what kind of expertise is missing so that weakness not, not to be a weakness anymore. So they will try to identify or suggest another partner joining the team that will be able to uh, fill that gap that has some expertise uh, on the impact or has some uh, clear understanding on how these innovations in graphene or with uh, new materials in the long term or in the short term will bring some benefits to society and to the economy. And maybe this is not that enough because, okay, even if you have that, maybe you will need also some political support in order to have the use of graphene being uh, uh, widely, wider used. So probably they would like to engage in the team some policy uh, advisors or some policy makers, even as indirect partners, in order to make the, the team that will be a winning one for uh, that specific uh, call that deals with uh, new materials. So I'm trying to be a little bit simplistic uh, here with an example, but I hope you get the, the idea behind it and yeah. how a consultant should work. Indeed. Um... But that's uh, so all grants consultants throughout Europe, you know, this is what you refine all the time in companies, how to, to be able to guide the client or clients or consortium through this process, because that's what you know as a consultant, how to approach the system, how to uh, develop all these sections in the, in the proposal and how to run the, the proposal logistics, so to say, the coordination of that. So that... That's uh, that's that's that. But in, in here, it's a matter of how you develop your your business model in relation to survive as a company and, and grow as a company. And that's uh, that's tricky because many 
this uh, approach is something that what you just outlined that's what uh, that's what they do in PO that's what they do in the companies I've been having on board for other episodes and so on so that's that's uh, that's that's what you buy when you buy a consultant for these things then you can be good or less good so, but but that's that's the approach but um so the difference here is how you as a company um develop the way that you attract your clients in a in a model that they can see themselves and PO there was a lot of 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 different ways of trying to massage or curve uh, different fee models to approach uh, sectors or areas that you you know open but markets that were maybe a little closed SMEs or research and so on to make it much more diverse you know like dip, dip, cover up the cut up the, the 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 fees into each individual client for instance for the partner and 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 diversifying that also and so it's you know like all kinds of of internal ways of working as a company to try to see how can we best do this so we can get everybody on board and still uh, make the money that we need to be able to do this job and here what so this is where it's just to and it was just to uh, to fly in on why it's difficult for, for for private consultants like yourself because you need to find find a way through all the others yeah mm-hmm. um, even though because you have many people also with with many years of experience like yourself um and so that to and that's why we need to talk about the the open cosmos that you made because uh, I like the model uh, I've seen different ways to do it, but I like what you did. Uh, so maybe we should just just uh, move on to you telling us a little bit, me and the, the listeners, about the concept elements and the philosophy behind, and then we dig a little bit into it. Okay, thank you. Um, so the philosophy behind Open Cosmos is uh, based uh, on uh, a continuous question that I keep raising on myself. And that is, uh, how can I serve more people? Why? Because the more people I serve, the more effective I am. So this is one motto that I follow all the time. And because uh, of that uh, philosophy and concept, uh, we have Open Cosmos now. Why? Because Open Cosmos is um, uh, a platform that in one place, you have a portfolio of support services that you definitely, absolutely need in order to be successful um, in competitive programs like Horizon Europe. So what we have is an organization that is um, a member under Open Cosmos. Uh, They can have uh, their uh, proposals that they submit externally evaluated. So they they let us know one month before the submission deadline about um, the call that they are targeting. We make sure that we have the proper expertise on board 10 days before the submission deadline. They upload the latest draft. It takes us one or two days to evaluate it. And then we provide uh, detailed comments, mainly on their weaknesses and what should be addressed. Because uh, as you do know, good proposals in Horizon Europe are not going to get funded. And most of the proposals, when they finish, are in good state, but not in an excellent state. So the best way to transform good proposals into excellent ones 
is to have an experienced or a professional external evaluation. Yep. And I, ha- I would like to emphasize the word external. Why? Because building a proposal, as I keep on saying in my students, or developing a proposal, is like giving birth to a baby. So what does that mean? That means that it is a tedious task. It, uh, it, it requires a lot of effort. It is painful uh, also. That's why uh, the, uh, the outcome of it, you believe that it's perfect. It's, uh, that's why you believe that your baby is the most beautiful baby in the whole world. However, yeah, not always. <laughs> <laughs> maybe you maybe you don't want to admit it. Yes, but uh, inside, <laughs> can I give this one away? <laughs> <laughs> well, yes, yes. Well, it's, it's still your baby, and you don't want to, to, to yeah. you don't want to separate it. <laughs> so at least loudly, maybe inside you have a different view, but at least loudly you say that's a very good proposal. So you need someone external that uh, is not uh, biased and uh, hasn't been involved in the preparation of the proposal. So he hasn't or she hasn't invested uh, a lot of effort. She or he hasn't felt the pain that the applicants uh, did and will tell you uh, what should be uh, addressed, what what are the key weaknesses and how this um, uh, should be uh, fixed. And that's why an external evaluation is very important. Very, very few proposals in Horizon Europe or in Horizon 2020 are getting funded without an external evaluation. Maybe that external evaluation can come can come from a professional, maybe from a colleague, but it is important to have an external evaluation. So in Open Cosmos, we offer that kind of of um, service uh, to all our members. So any. Um, any researcher from a university that is a member in uh, Open Cosmos and they submit a proposal either as the key applicant like uh, ERC or, uh, or postdoctoral fellowships in Marie Curie, they have their proposal evaluated or when they act as coordinators in a collaborative uh, uh, grant application, they have the proposal evaluated as long as they are members. So that's a, a, very, um, a, a very helpful an essential uh, service that uh, applicants need in order to be successful. The other one, yes. Do you have a question on that? Uh, yeah, I would like. So, if we just uh, zoom a little bit out, uh, so the idea is that it's subscription based, right? Yes, correct. And the work, uh, the model that works is on an annual uh, subscription uh, uh, fee. So, so subscribe to the platform. The organization registers to the platform and then all its members, they can subscribe to the platform and they can use it for free. So the organization, as long as they pay the annual uh, membership fee, then we allow anyone to subscribe as long as they have the same domain in their email address as the domain of the organization. Okay. So this is how we validate it. Yeah. And... So, do you have do you have uh, differentiated rates? Do you have uh, different rates, or is it a fixed rate? Uh, yes, obviously, available? obviously, we have because uh, uh, there is a different uh, workload for a university and a different uh, workload for a non-profit organization. 
Mm-hmm. So, uh, universities that require the largest workload from our part, why? Because they have a lot of researchers and a lot of them are using our services and they apply continuously in different uh, programs and they have a lot of uh, evaluations. Uh, um, it is uh, 10,000 euros. Normally, the, 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 the fee is 20,000 euros, but uh, we have a significant discount. So, it's 10,000 euros for uh, universities. Then for industry or for technoparks and incubation centers, it is 7,500. Mm-hmm. For SMEs, uh, based on the official definition the European Commission gives, up to 250 employees and etc., is uh, just 3,000 euros. And for non-profit organizations or for public organizations, it is 2,000 euros. And even for individuals, it is 1,000. Now, someone mm-hmm. will say, why you need a subscription to... For individuals, because individuals in most of the case they cannot uh, apply as uh, uh, as entities, uh, as partners in an Horizon Europe project. Okay, uh, they could apply, but of course we very rarely uh, do so. However, an individual maybe will not be able to exploit um, the valuation service, but they will be able to exploit many other services that we have, and I'm going to talk more about them. For example, the training service that we have, because. All our uh, members, they have unlimited access to all our trainings. We either the live ones that take place via Zoom or physically, or the ones that are based on uh, recorded sessions. So we have already more than twenty uh, uh, different uh, courses covering and the pre-award and the post-award phase. We believe that we need to be as comprehensive as possible. Because the more comprehensive uh, you are, uh, the better the service is that you offer as a consultant or as a coach. So that's why we have a, a very an extensive list that is continuously uh, growing. Why? Because every uh, or every training that we have uh, live uh, via Zoom or even uh, via physical presence, it is recorded and then it is provided uh, in the platform afterwards for anyone to uh, watch it. So that's the second. Service of Open uh, Cosmos that I believe completes the palette of uh, the portfolio service that you need to offer as a consultant or advisor. A consultant should not be only an advisor; should be also a trainer. But consultants do not have a lot of time for being trainers, so that's the added value of Open Cosmos because it provides that kind of service also. So, so the trainings you make for a cl- for one of the members of the platform. That you make available to everybody on the platform. Is that e- how it works? Exactly. So anyone that has a, that their organization is a member to Open Cosmos, so any individual that works for a specific organization that is a member of Open Cosmos, they have unlimited access to all our courses. For example, we organize every summer um, a training in uh, Santorini on impact in Horizon Europe. Let's say Santorini is a beautiful island in Greece. So. Any organization that uh, is a member of Open Cosmos, any staff, any research personnel, or uh, anyone can come and participate to our courses for free, even though others externals they have to pay a significant amount of money for doing it. Of course, um, yeah. So it's so so you, so yeah, trainings, um, reviews. 
but you have you have a full list in there. So what do so you pay the fee and so what do you have access to from your side where you don't send an invoice afterwards? You understand where you, it's included in the annual subscription. So uh, so we have the external evaluation. We have the uh, unlimited access to all our trainings. The next service that we have is that we believe that we need to provide the continuous and live support to our um, clients. So we have monthly live uh, Q&A sessions. So every month, normally every Wednesday, uh, the first Wednesday of every month, mm-hmm. we have uh, a live Q&A session. We connect and anyone, any individual from a member organization can ask any question that they wish. We give priorities to those questions that uh, they are answered, they are, sorry, they are uh, asked in advance because we have a service for anyone to ask a question in advance. So we give priority to those, but uh, also we answer any other questions that are asked uh, on the spot. And those questions can be anything, can be any clarifications that you might need from a uh, pre-recorded course that you have attended from Open Cosmos. It can be um, an issue that you have with a partner either while you're preparing a proposal or in the project implementation phase. It can be um, a, a question regarding a call and whether that call could fit under the expertise of uh, the member. Or um, it, you have a financial audit <laughs> and you have some <laughs> issues and you would like, and you would like some help on that. I mean, uh, <laughs> We can have even that kind of support. Why? Because, as I said, uh, the Open Cosmos is the outcome of 25 years' experience in the, in the business of uh, research and innovation. Therefore, we cover, we cover all the different aspects uh, that anyone needs. And we are a quite diverse uh, group of people, as I said, uh, 20 people. Not all of them working full-time, of course, but uh, we, we engage them on an ad hoc basis, mm. definitely. Nicolas, how about how about the proposal preparation itself? Is that included in that? Yes, and that actually uh, takes us to the um, the fourth service. So we had evaluation, limit access to our uh, trainings, uh, live Q and A session. The fourth one is that we have a matchmaking platform, first of all. Mm. So it is important in order to be successful in proposal um, in your with your grant application to have a very strong uh, consortium. And we have a matchmaking platform based on AI that uh, any individual, including organizations, fulfill their profile and the platform does the matchmaking automatically based on their own algorithm and, and based on the keywords that um, the individual has selected while they have been creating their profile. And those keywords are quite extensive because we have more than 300 different keywords, a lot, of course, that you can search, but we have them per sector uh, following the six different uh, clusters in Pillar 2 of uh, Horizon Europe. So we have different keywords for the health, different keywords for cluster two, which is inclusive societies and creativity, for cluster three, which is security, for cluster four, which is ICT and space, uh, for cluster five, that is energy um, uh, and, uh, and transportation, and for cluster six, which is uh, agri-food uh, and uh, environment. Mm. So we have more than 300, and these 300 keywords are changing because they are based on the open calls or the expected calls for the next two years. 
So for now, we have those keywords that are uh, linked with the different uh, calls that we have uh, with the new uh, work program of 2023-2024. So one thing that we do is uh, uh, we, we have a matchmaking. We facilitate the communication between uh, the Open Cosmos uh, community members. The other thing that we have, which is related to the proposal support, is uh, that um, as long as a consortium has minimum three Open Cosmos members in their consortium as beneficiaries, which means as partners with some uh, uh, with a, an easy funding uh, contribution, then we provide free consultancy support. What does that mean? That means that. Uh, you have a consortium that has uh, three Open Cosmos members uh, in, their con in, uh, in their team, then uh, we will provide free consultant support on the proposal idea, free consultant support on the call and the specificalities and what you need to be aware, where you need to pay attention and etc. Uh, free consultant support on the consortium synthesis and uh, who else should be on board free consultant support on preparing the proposal uh, concept and detailed guidance on how the different parts and different subsections in the full grant application should be written. So this is normally a service that uh, in the market, in the consultancy market, is charged from 15 to 30,000 euros and we offer it for free in cases we have a consortium with minimum three Open Cosmos members on board. Uh, and so is this, so what you just described here, is that also pen to paper? Is that writing, is that be coordinating the writing process, so to say? Or are, uh, you are you guiding the one who is writing it? We are not coordinating, we are not coordinating the writing process. The, the writing, the coordination of the writing uh, process should be undertaken by the coordinator uh. of that. Of course, we provide some assistance and some guidance and we pro and we suggest some tools for doing it but the coordination and the communication of among the partnerships should be done by the coordinator okay this is an important distinction right uh, because mm -hmm. this is uh, this is of course where where majority of grants consultancy they they do their business they are the ones that are hired to do the writing process because that's the what the clients often say we don't have the resources ourselves to do that exactly that because that's resource intensive so the members that you, that that go on board in your platform they have themselves resources to do these things or they commit themselves to 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 arrange themselves so to find someone who can do that uh, and then they get intensive support uh, on the sort of guidance process from your side Exactly. And what we suggest is before providing guidance to have the proper um, team members on board. And which are those team members? First of all, you need the coordinator of, uh, the, of writing the grant application. That coordinator will be responsible for getting feedback uh, on the proposal idea from various sources, uh, uh, inviting potential uh, partners, coordinating the writing process of the grant application, assessing the quality of uh, the grant uh, um, application, but not writing any parts of, uh, of the proposal. And why is that? 
because that is a lot of work already. <laughs> yeah, indeed. <laughs> so we need, if you don't focus, then you're not going to have an excellent proposal. So that's why we suggest, first of all, to have a coordinator with those roles in order to focus on those tasks. The second, uh, the second part in your team that you need is the writing team. So the writing team will consist at least of two different individuals. Yeah. And this is the, the really minimum one. One that will be, uh, or two different sub-teams. One that will be responsible for writing the excellence and the implementation section. Why those two? Because those two are very related. I mean, in excellence, you describe what you're going to develop and in the implementation, what will be the activities for developing it. And the, you need another writing team for writing the impact. Of course, those two teams will not work in solitude. They will have to collaborate very closely. Why? Because uh, what is impact? Impact is the benefits from the project results. And where, where are the project results? The project results are mentioned uh, mainly in the excellence section and then in the implementation. So that's why if you wanted to talk about benefits, either long-term benefits or benefits in society or in economy or in science from your project results, you need to collaborate very closely. But still you need two different uh, entities of being involved in the writing process. So this is very important. Very often uh, in the consultancy business, as you said, the impact is undertaken by a consultancy company that they are members also of the consortium, but uh, because they have the proper expertise. But through our trainings, because we have a lot of trainings in impact, we prove that anyone can write the, the, the impact and actually at a professional level, as long as you follow a specific recipe. Nevertheless, this is just a, a bracket that I'm opening. So this is the second part in your team that you need. So we have the coordinator, then we have the proposal writing team. Then what do you need? Then you need an assistant, a secretary, give a name that will deal with all the administrative stuff. And also will be doing probably the first, the first communication with people that the coordinator is not connected with already. Maybe they will make the first communication and then the follow-up of when the coordinator has invited for the first time a, a, a ministry in their consortium. So they will be doing the follow-up. Or when, they, when it is required to have some administrative documents or maybe some letters, letters of support or some commitments from affiliate partners. So this will be the communication that... Standard, standardized work has to be done by a, an, um, a secretary. It can be done by the coordinator. It can be done by someone from the proposal writing team. That happens quite often. But this is not a good practice. Why? Because then you miss focus from your key tasks. You miss focus from your coordination tasks if you are the coordinator that is doing that. Or you miss focus from your writing tasks if you are part of the proposal writing team. So that's why you need someone that will assist you in all this administrative workload. And also including the data in the system, in the party, now that is a lot of information is required in the online part. That is the role of someone that should be um, experienced on that, or familiar, not that much experience, sorry, but familiar with that, or get familiar by reading the manuals quite easily. So a secretary or someone else could do that. In universities, we have the research support office that is doing that very often. But yeah, and so, the last so, entity, sorry, yes. So the so, anyways, the the just to to sum up. So you you guys, so you you advise them on how to deal with their team, 
and how to set up their writing team. And, and then they do that. And then you assist them through the process without putting pen to paper. So that's sort of the key element here in the, in the model that you have, subscription model. Exactly. And making sure that everyone has clear tasks, not everyone doing everything, because that happens quite often, but we are not uh, suggest that you need to have clear uh, tasks on what you should be doing. And the last, uh, and the last uh, member of the team should be the external evaluator, the one that I mentioned before. You need to have them on board, not uh, continuously, but at different stages in uh, the proposal that will evaluate the idea, the proposal summary, the consortium, and then the, at least the final draft of, uh, of uh, the grant application. And that, that's it. I mean, this is, as soon as you have those on board, then our, our support is very precious and everything can run smoothly. I am um, just, uh, I need us to move a little bit. I think, I think this should be clear. Um, so I had a couple of questions. So in relation to the, uh, to the knowledge, do you have um, uh, a knowledge state? Which databases do you uh, connect? Do you connect to databases or how does that work? Uh, both for the matchmaking and the knowledge, do you have? Uh, do you understand the question? So yes, you you okay. say you have a matchmaking. So do you connect to the commission's databases or how? Okay, um, we cannot connect to any for the matchmaking. We cannot connect to any third uh, resources to because of uh, of personal data and etc. So what uh, you need in order the matchmaking to work effectively is that. Uh, uh, Open Cosmos members, they go there and they uh, complete their own profile. So the matchmaking is done among the Open Cosmos individuals. So we have we have more than uh, uh, 2,000 individuals now from our current uh, members that are using the platform. So it's already a very good knowledge base because we have as members really excellent actors in Horizon Europe. We have Politecnico di Milano that is one of the most successful in Italy. We have Kaunas Technical University that is one of the most successful in Lithuania. We have University of Girona that they managed through Open Cosmos to double their success rate and, the, and double their submissions to Horizon Europe. Now their success rate is close to 20%. We, um, we have a University of Torino and many other research institutions and organizations that are members. So the knowledge base is very good. What has to be done is the more uh, researchers from those members are using the platform, the higher is the value that Open Cosmos offers to them. And of course, the higher is the matchmaking, uh, uh, matchmaking mechanism that we offer. We just offer the vehicle and uh, the motivation of Open Cosmos members collaborate by telling them that if you involve three Open Cosmos members, then you will have free consultancy support. Mm -hmm. Uh, this part of it, it's our databases, Google uh, House. It's, it's, it's the more they grow, the more dirty they get, or the more black holes you start to get. It's uh, the databases. I know because we had a very big uh, system in in PNO where it was supposedly uh, having it was having the, all the all the former clients and, 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 and present clients of the company was in the database, but it was 
it was it was you had so many doubles you had so many people not working with with the, anymore you don't understand you know there was a lot of of distortion in the database which made it difficult to use and which m- meant that people weren't using the core elements of the database of their own network because they knew that would work so so for a system like this uh it needs it's a little bit like a gardener <laughs> you need to you need to keep it like a like a good greenkeeper on a on a golf course. You need to to cut those. <laughs> those uh, you need it, to. <laughs> it, indeed, indeed. The only difference is that uh, in uh, our matchmaking platform, each flower takes care of itself. So each flower, each plant has its own responsibility to look fresh and uh, beautiful. So every individual profile that we have in the matchmaking platform is created by the the users themselves and not by us, as you had in your own database. So it is their own responsibility. And if there is each one of those individuals, they maintain their flower as beautiful as possible, then the whole garden looks beautiful, which is the whole matchmaking platform. But they're not going to, if they stop working there, just saying like the individuals, you know how these things work. People change positions and they're not going to have a, as a priority to go in and change something in a database of a service they've been using <laughs> when they leave their job. So you, it's, uh, it's, uh, it's difficult to, you need a gardener. That's my experience, but I, I don't know how you, is, is, are those thoughts that you have uh, sort of uh, reflected on when you develop this part of it? Well, uh, first of all, uh, it's in the same manner that when you change jobs, you update your CV. Uh, Likewise, you need to update your profile in a matchmaking platform, whatever that matchmaking platform is. So it is their own responsibility. Of course, what we can do, uh, we cannot work on their behalf on that. But what we can do is we can send, and this is what we do, we send uh, reminders of updating their profile mm-hmm. either with new keywords or with new expertise that they have <clears throat> because they know better than us what they should be doing and what they are interested in doing. Yeah. It's um it's interesting. we probably as we uh, we will it's not going to be the last time we talk. So I yeah, I will get back to it because it's it's something that I know can be tricky. So I I will I will ask this question again <laughs> in the future no how it's going with that database. Um, and there are some other services if I want to if I want you to complete and w- this is not important about open course but it's important on what uh, a consultant should be offering to uh, their own clients and this is what already open cosmos offers so in addition to them we had uh, external evaluation of the proposal we have unlimited access to trainings mm-hmm. we have live Q&A sessions we have matchmaking we have uh, free consultant support when there are three open cosmos members in a consortium what we have in uh, addition is that uh, we have uh, uh, first of all for the trainings as long as you attend a training you get a certificate and that's quite useful personally as an extra motivation for individuals to work on their skills uh, and uh, enhance their uh, curriculum vitae so it's important the other thing that we have is uh, we have a database, a list every every month. We issue a spreadsheet with all the open funding opportunities 
uh, across Europe. Not okay. only on Horizon yep. Europe, but all the funding opportunities. So someone that is interested downloads the Excel file, then they would uh, um, search through the keywords and see, and they can find which ones are applicable in their case. So they have access to open funding opportunities. Also, um, um, what we have is, uh, um, if you can recall, we said that you can ask a question live uh, through the Q&A uh, session every month. But in some cases, someone cannot wait uh, for a month <laughs> or so for asking a question because it might be quite urgent and etc. So what we have is we have also a forum uh, where someone can post their question and either another member of Open Cosmos will address it and have a dialogue with that or definitely at least an Open Cosmos expert from our team will see that question and will respond. Okay, do, either, you, have a, do you have sort of a time limit of that saying we will answer you within 48 hours? Or uh, we, have a, we have a time limit on the external evaluation. On the forum, I mean, normally you receive a response within hours. Okay. Yeah. So the, 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 you don't leave that uh, uh, open. Uh, either from an Open Cosmos member or from an Open Cosmos uh, team. Mm -hmm. And this is extremely uh, useful. And some why it is extremely useful? Because sometimes people do not want to share something that they believe is confidential. So they can raise a post or there is a help desk and they say, I would like help on that. And there is a quite sensitive issue that I would like to discuss with you. Please contact me. So we will contact them and we will discuss with them what is their problem and see what kind of solution we can have. Mm -hmm. Maybe, they, as I said, they have an issue with... Uh, a bad audit report or a bad evaluation report and they would like not to, to discuss that or they have issues with a partner so they might not want to discuss that which is quite sensitive. Mm -hmm. They contact us and we will uh, try to find a solution and help uh, uh, our uh, client. And the last thing that we have which to my view, I mean we just launched it uh, it is uh, an accelerator for SMEs and startups. What is that? Because members, as you can recall, for Open Cosmos are not only universities, are also SMEs and uh, startups. And we try to help them to in their fundraising journey. So in that uh, uh, journey, what we do? We, we just launched it, so it's still a service that is growing. But we have some specialized services. So we have, uh, for example, a training on ESC Accelerator in the next month. We had some trainings, uh, which is uh, under Pillar 3 in Horizon Europe, which is for uh, fundraising and uh, commercializing your innovation and uh, scaling it up. Uh, that's the main purpose of ESC Accelerator. So we have a training on that. We have uh, trainings on EIC Pathfinder and on EC Transition that also aim to commercialize innovations. We have uh, uh, trainings on how to pitch your uh, uh, proposal, uh, your innovation, or your idea, mm -hmm. which is also very important. So we have some trainings. We have a repository of uh, useful resources. So a list of uh, investors, uh, list of business angels, uh, contracts that you need to be aware and you, that you need to sign when you get some investment uh, or due diligence uh, checklist, what uh, you need to have ready if you want an investor to invest on you. So that's the many and the, 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 the this... Uh, uh, repository is continuously updated and what we aim to have is also matchmaking between uh, startup owners, uh, SME uh, founders or spin-off and uh, investors or partners or clients yep. and this is what we have as a, as a vision let's say from the uh, accelerator, Open Cosmo Accelerator 
that we have just started and it's still a baby in its infancy. So it's sort of, we believe sort it's of, going to grow. So sort of synergies uh, out of the work that you help them with in relation exactly. to the two brands. Question. Um, in P&O, they had made a system where you could access a patent and knowledge databases for that part of the work that any <clears throat> proposal writer would have to do. Patent search and previous pro uh, projects being carried out and funded. Is that something you have, uh, is that part of, of, the, of what you do? Uh, what we do is not that because there are already databases that they have that and they're doing uh, uh, better than anyone else. I think these are uh, public uh, registered uh, databases like the European Patent Office that has uh, all these patents. What we do is we suggest some trainings on how to do that and how to work with freedom to operate, the FTO that is very important, or how to um, work on your state-of-the-art analysis by analyzing other posts that have been previously uh, funded. Mm -hmm. So what we do is we don't offer that service because that will consume a lot of our resources, yeah. but, we, but we, train, we train them how to do that quite effectively. Yeah. I mean, depending on their own uh, area and on their own expertise. Either we suggest a training that is provided for free, either we deliver that training, or if it is for a patent search or for freedom to operate uh, uh, jobs, or we uh, educate them, we train them on how to identify similar projects that are related in their field and how to establish synergies with them or CC or do a competitive analysis. Yeah, indeed, it was something that because what what Pino did was that they gathered the databases in one search tool. So they because of the size of you know so they paid for access to these databases also America and you know global so you in one tool could search in everything, uh, which of course it's it's. It's just if, you know you need to 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 make sure in a smaller consultancy company how you prioritize this you know like these kind of services because the the information is out there so if you do like you do it's perfectly fine. We need to slowly do it. it doesn't have to be too much longer from now on so maybe we should thanks for so I think that's that's more or less uh, presenting the model right. Uh, yes, and the concept, exactly. and so the the it's it is uh, it, what what comes down to the square root for me is that you have developed something that you where you can scale up the amount of support you can give because you have scaled down on the resource intensive side. Say, look, we do not write things for you because that is the resource intensive part. We do not do that, but. Oh boy, we help you with many, 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 many other things that you will be needing and that will uh, distill your proposal into being something very, very strong when you finish, if you use these subscription services in the right way. Yeah. Exactly. We put uh, things in proper order, yeah. first of all. And uh, um, secondly, uh, we don't make them... Uh, being dependent on, on someone else to do their uh, work, to do this uh, writing process, administrative. We just tell them how it should be done, how effectively it should be done, and make them realize that if everyone has clear roles, then it's not that much hard work. We have to do it, but 
it's 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 something that it is feasible and uh, as long as you focus you enjoy it also well the thing is you i you cannot never get me to say that it's not a lot of work to write a proposal because it is <laughs> but what but but it's going it's going to help it's going to help with these kind of of assisting services that you're offering definitely yes let, let me be more clear and sorry for that when i say it is the administration of writing uh, a grant application is not that complex and this is what i want to emphasize That's the, administra- the coordination of writing a process as soon as everything is in order and you have all the team members that are described on board with the proper expertise then they, then it is not that sophisticated exactly. and since you and since you uh, you you stress that out what i would like to highlight also is uh, that writing a proposal If you do it gradually, step by step, it is still it doesn't look that uh, uh, challenging and difficult. And what I mean with that, so for example, instead of start writing in a narrative format, what you should be writing after under each section, you are starting first with some bullets with the main ideas. Everyone is feeling more comfortable by writing something in bullets rather than trying to fill uh, the gap with pages, and then uh, we don't know what. Uh, he or she is talking about. So the advantages of writing something in bullets, starting writing something in bullets, is that uh, it is uh, it sounds easier, or it looks easier. And on the other hand, you make sure that you have all the key ideas that you should address under each subsection. So by and this is how we give our guidance also when we guide uh, uh, the applicant. Uh, what should be written under each section we work a lot on uh, the bullets and the key ideas that should be addressed per subsection per subsection in order to make sure that everything will be addressed and uh, also it will not look that complicated for doing it thanks i would no 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 it's good but you are you are the thing is you're engaged You have a heart beating for this because you developed this, so of course you have a lot to say about it, and it's okay. And I'm trying to balance it because, of course, you also want people to <laughs> to 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 tap into to your solution and uh, and get clients on board. I need to balance that so it's not just a sales <laughs> a sales I, session. And, well, actually, actually, when I provide service as a consultant outside Open Cosmos, I do exactly the service that I just described. Exactly the services. So it's not now you have to do it through Open Cosmos platform, but Also, a consultant that cannot clone themselves, and they have limited time and limited resources. Exactly. They need to focus how they should do their work and in what way that is going to produce the most effective results. And this is how I do it, and uh, it is reflected also in Open Cosmos platform. It's uh, and this is what I want to say about it that it it reflects that there's a lot of experience behind. There are many many years of working with these things behind behind being able to think up such a business model. Because that's what we're moving into now, the business model uh, as a you know, like methodology, so to say. The How, just before we, 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 we close this episode, we should have, a, I would like to have a little bit of talk about this because that's also what I... Mentioned in the fly into to this uh, when we talked about the challenge of of consultancies within this sector. So what you have done here, you've done something where you you keep yourself out of what everybody's because everybody's doing the writing. Yeah, 
That's what that's that's the main thing that that's the main thing that they put yeah. on top, and then uh, you have all you have the reviews, you have uh, the trainings, you have uh, whatever. But but here you say you 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 step a little bit out of you take up you take off what what normal consultancies would put as the top bullet <laughs> on services. You, you you remove that, keep the rest, but then you develop on the rest of the things. And and then adding to that a subscription model where you have access to everything, and as long as you keep that annual subscription, which helps you as a company of income security, you say that's for the next year. And if you have, if the clients are happy, it's on a roll. Um, so that 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 secures you as a, so as a as a as a business, you have a more secure stomach. You don't have to run out every time and 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 secure that. 20,000 euros for the next proposal you need to write for the client uh, for the next call round in autumn. You know, it's, you know the drill because you probably tried that certain, certain period in your career. So with this, it makes it more... If you have... The point here is that you want to make sure that your clients are happy with what you do because then they're just going to stop the subscription if they're not. So you need to make sure if you do that, Then it's and and your client base is rising. You you get more buffers in there that makes it easier to run a consultancy, a business, sort of business. Is that correctly analyzed? Yes, exactly. Because as you mentioned, and we have been discussing here, um, the the biggest challenge of a consultancy company is not the lack of expertise. They have a lot of expertise, it but is. the lack of resources. Yeah. So you you don't and. Um, Apparently, the more resources you have, the more uh, clients you can get. But uh, uh, that can be quite tricky because uh, you might have a lot of resources, but you might not have had many clients. So how are you going to pay <laughs> your staff and your experts? Mm -hmm. Therefore, uh, I believe uh, that uh, as soon as you put everything in order, everything is clear of what each one Uh, will be doing? What will be the role of the consultant? What will be the role of the coordinator? What will be the role of the rest of the partners? What will be the role of the administrative uh, staff? Then everything will run uh, smoother and by far more effective because uh, we allow people to focus and not claim that they work, but they work actually on their tasks that they have been assigned to them. And this is uh, what makes also not only, only the job of the consultant much easier, but uh, also the whole result is much better. Why? Because you take advantage of the group dynamics. It's a very, in many cases, uh, because of lack of time or because of lack of commitment of some uh, partners, the, the heaviest workload goes to one or two partners plus uh, uh, the consultant. And the more the workload is, The, the less is the quality of the result if you don't have the proper resources uh, planned and organized. Therefore, if you set uh, a very good uh, start at the beginning of, of who should be doing what with specific uh, tasks and having the consultant making sure that this take place, then uh, uh, a lot of work has to take place with, uh, with uh, not that uh, successful uh, results uh, apparently. Um, if I may, um, if I may say, uh, I believe that uh, consultants are doing a lot of uh, marvelous work. However, uh, 
uh, I personally don't like the work of consultant because uh, uh, there are uh, some uh, individuals that they have uh, created a bad name as consultants in the market. So what I, tr I, I try to see is I try to, to introduce a new term in the market. And that new term is, uh, as I have introduced myself, a research and innovation coach. Yeah. This is what uh, we should see ourselves. Yeah, it's, uh, and it's definitely, well, the lingo is what it is, but I'm happy that you found for yourself a way of, of, of redefining that that role, which also changes uh, the perception from some clients, I guess, um, that it's, uh, so if you, if you have an approach that they can see that's coaching, you know, then, then they will also follow the title. <laughs> What we have, the biggest challenge actually when we have a client is um, uh, not to put uh, things in order, but to make them believe that they can do it. In the same manner that a coach needs to make their basketball, basketball coach needs to make their basketball team believe that they can win. Mm -hmm. In the same manner, the RNI coach should make the team, the consortium confident that they can uh, uh, do it. We had uh, once uh, a case with um, a researcher that was submitting for the first time uh, an application in uh, Horizon uh, Europe, a very challenging call under uh, Cluster 2, where uh, uh, many proposals were uh, submitted with very limited budget. I think there were more than uh, 55 proposals submitted uh, and only two or three proposals would get funded. So the, the, the numbers were not that uh, positive. So they were a little bit... Uh, uh, pessimistic on that. So what we did and we focused first was to make them believe that if they follow the process and if they do whatever we suggest that it should be done, mm -hmm. it, uh, it will be at least a very fulfilling experience. And what I mean with a very fulfilling experience? Fulfilling experience means that you're going to learn a lot out of it yep. and you're going to become more professional on that. And uh, Second, uh, secondly, you, you have a lot of chances of uh, being uh, accepted. Now, that uh, proposal was the first one in the reserve list. Mm -hmm. Hopefully, they will add some funding for being uh, uh, actually granted. However, what they, for me, that was a very positive outcome. Yep. Uh, a researcher for the first time, that they didn't know what Horizon Europe is, yep. to go and uh, coordinate uh, a proposal in a very competitive call and become the first in the reserve list, for me, it is a success and it is for them also. And it's well done. Now, what I was thinking about, do you, have you internally uh, with you and the employees, do you, have you um, trainings in behavioral, you know, like behavioral theory, theories or how to, you know, like, how to work with people, you know, like human skills, so to say, is that something that you've been digging into as a with your employees to sort of to work with the group dynamics and stuff like this, psychology? Is that something that you... What we do, we have that indirectly addressed in our trainings. So in our uh, trainings... I mean, I mean, your employees... Have you trainings in that yourself to be able to to open these things up for the or how how? Well, um, I believe that uh, that communication uh, skill you should be trained or you should be experienced on applying it. Mm -hmm. So uh, 
our team, our own team is quite experienced on that. So they have been, they have a lot of uh, experience in interacting uh, with uh, good clients, bad clients, uh, with um, uh, clients that are uh, experienced, with clients that are inexperienced and how that should be addressed. Because uh, this is something that we haven't uh, taught our personnel, but we made sure that our team has that kind of skill. This uh, communication uh, intelligence that is emotional intelligence yeah. that is very important for empowering uh, the different team members to uh, do their best as a coach. So we don't teach internally our employees, but we make sure that they have that kind of expertise. Okay. However, this is not enough only from uh, uh, from our our experts to have that. Also, the team members should have that. Therefore, that's one of the trainings that we offer actually focuses on, uh, on communication, on presentation skills, on negotiation skills, soft skills, if I may say, that are outside the, the focus of uh, Horizon Europe. We even have a training on speed reading because yep. we believe it's very important to process and retain information quite quickly. Um, staying a little bit on the, I'm going to I'm just trying to 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 dig a little bit in the. Um, so for this kind of so this so if I zoom again a little bit out, so the 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 portfolio of your services, the kind of client you get, it would so that is it difficult is it difficult to identify clients that do. N- that do not require the writing service. You understand? Uh, clients that say, okay, for instance, so I guess, for instance, universities <clears throat> would be natural clients of yours uh, because they have many universities. They have people, they have, the researchers would often sit at write or they have a project office internally in the university that helps and support the 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 research teams throughout the 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 university uh, so they can write things themselves with coaching but how do you um is it difficult to find clients because well, yeah, I, it's just my experience is that that was often what most clients came for you know like with business developing you know was that they needed that for the heavy, that's what they wanted. They want that was what they asked and wanted to pay for. That was the writing part. But yes. can you share a little bit? Yes. Uh, well, uh, actually, we haven't been that active in the business development uh, phase. So, uh, what we do, and for us is uh, for the time being quite uh, fruitful, is we engage clients that we have already been training them. So we have already been providing uh, uh, trainings to clients in different uh, areas, from pre-award to post-award. And then those clients realizing the high value that they get from our trainings, then they are more open to accept also an Open Cosmos uh, uh, membership. So this is how we have been working so far. You you will you will not see an advertising about uh, Open Cosmos uh, in social <laughs> media or somewhere else. Uh, that uh, for the time being, as it is, is has been coming from our training service that we have been providing in advance to them. Okay. Yeah, because it, I guess that's also something that you have been you have been cracking internally. Yeah, uh, how do we best grow with this model? How do we get the outreach communication about the uh, how, you know, what we can offer? You know? I think a good model is uh, through training. Uh, give and shall receive. 
So give very good training and you shall receive clients to open Cosmos also. Which is actually also within the podcast world. You have uh, the the one of the, the 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 guy that I have been digging into to understand how to do this. What I'm doing uh, has the philosophy of uh, everything free. He even wrote a book. I bought that, but he actually shared that uh, later as a PDF version. You right? share everything for free, but make sure that it's strong content you have because then it's going to come back to you in other ways of uh, in within this world. It's a matter of streams and listeners, of course. It's your, it's your business card. Your your services. Yeah, yeah. Your free your free resources is your business card now, as it is nowadays. Indeed. So we have we have free resources. We have open ERC. We have a platform that guides ERC researchers to write step by step each one of the different uh, sections in the application form. There are more than six hundred researchers that are using the platform now, mm-hmm. and they are more than happy to to use it. And we have another free resource on uh, how to how to change your habits and become an effective uh, individual, an effective uh, uh, professional. We call the bundler uh, habits. So these are some of the free shows that we distribute and we believe are our business cards to our potential clients afterwards. And you need to do... So this is a very good point, actually, from where I came from, from P&O. They don't do that. Mm-hmm. And they'd probably be angry <laughs> if anyone listens <laughs> to this, but it's the truth. You know, they, you know, like, well, even has, I, they yeah. said explicitly that they didn't want to be involved in the in the show because they didn't want to give away these things for free that they're selling as a service, which is a very conservative uh, approach. But they're very so big. They're so big. They're, they're yes. so big that they don't have to. They don't have to. You understand? They can. They yeah. they're still gonna survive and grow without getting involved yeah. in a podcast like mine. But point is they would earn more money as a company if they would have an open source approach so to say yes. that you could access their things because it's going to come back. It's always going to come back. But uh, I, I, I think P&O, when I first heard about P&O was uh, in uh, uh, 1999, uh, 2000, where they, they were, however, the first ones that they were offering um, a payment through a success fee only. They didn't, uh, they didn't require any payment in advance. Mm-hmm. They said, we will only get paid as soon as the proposal is going to be funded. And they, I think they started with uh, national uh, research funds and how to save money from taxation if you invest in research, something like that. So that gave them the first, uh, the first cash flow in order to go and uh, uh, enter some other markets like the reason why they could ones. do that because the tax deduction schemes in the net, you know you, Netherlands you just you just submit it and get the funding and then you know they were not rely it was not competitive yeah yes so they <laughs> I had can, they I can had... reassure you that that model is not, <laughs> is not running at all <laughs> yes in other countries yes okay also not no, like I haven't heard of I sometimes uh, we would give away uh, joining proposals for free uh to some uh, partners you know but uh, as principal people would also have a down payment together with the success fee so uh. <laughs> indeed indeed no Nikolaus, um we um we should uh, we need to wrap it up uh, it's been great to have you on board what i always have uh in the end as a segment is the toughest challenge um no, you actually had a question, another question about the mm-hmm. the business model, and your, but that's related to your team. 
um, because you have resource intensive periods when you write proposals uh, and so on. That's that up towards the call deadlines, of course, the last month towards that. That's that's very rough on the team. How is it with this model? What is the resource intensive for you guys? Of course, you have the same you have the same pattern towards deadlines. Uh, but then I guess it's a matter of the scale because that's what you wrote me in the beginning that many of your clients, they have a lot, they have uh, scaled up their, their proposals due to the model that you run. That's good. But I guess on your side, that's if they scale too much up, then you're going to be a little bit under pressure on the reviewing. And uh... <laughs> uh, Indeed. That's why um, we ask uh, one month in advance to let us know uh, what kind of call they are targeting. So we need to engage the proper expertise on board that allow us sometime, if, if we don't have it in-house, to find it outside. So it is not that much work from, uh, from our side as long as we follow that timeline and this specific workflow. You cannot have your external, first of all, you cannot have your, the service of external evaluation if you let us know 29 days before the submission deadline. It mm -hmm. has to be the latest 30 days before the submission deadline. And you need to comply with that. We need to comply with some uh, fixed uh, rules that if you are a little bit flexible, then yes, you will uh, have uh, troubles with uh, these uh, periods that uh, they are quite hectic and you cannot uh, manage them. So we need, first of all, to have fixed deadlines and uh, uh, having 30 days before uh, letting us know, notifying us about their intention to, hire, to use our uh, services and the ones that require a lot of expertise, that is manageable for the time being. If it was one week, two weeks, even three weeks before, I cannot guarantee that. But uh, four weeks before, it is something that allows us to, to allocate the proper resources in time. No, that was just a quick thing. I just uh, <laughs> wanted to make sure to check with you. I mind for the employees. I have a heart for them. Yeah. <laughs> the uh, indeed, the indeed. No, uh, Nikolaus, the toughest challenge. The grand. What has been toughest in uh, challenge in developing the model and running it? So you can divide that into two, so to say. So what was the toughest challenge in developing the model? Well, we needed uh, the, the toughest challenge was to find the proper time and the resources of doing it. Because if, if you understand Open Cosmos uh, is something that you just uh, see the bit of the iceberg. There's a lot of work uh, behind it and a lot of resources which uh, actually require... Uh, the coordination of a lot of different uh, expertise and disciplines. So we need to have, uh, we need to have, we had to make sure that we had that expertise on board, not only from uh, uh, the knowledge point of view, the, in uh, evaluating and supporting as a consultant uh, the grant application development, but also from the logistics point of view, uh, to have the proper uh, platform. Uh, to be set up, to see what should be that platform, where we're going to use it, who should be responsible for what. So setting and developing the platform required a lot of thinking that was actually 
three years. Uh, it took us three years to work on it and actually come out with uh, Open Cosmos. And it's still not over. This is actually uh, something that, on one hand, is a big, big challenge. On the other hand, makes everything very exciting. And what is that? That we never believe that we have received a plateau. I've just told you that we launched a new service, which was the accelerator for SMEs. We are always thinking of new services that we should be uh, providing in order to serve as many people as possible to excel in, um, in European uh, funds. And that uh, makes it demanding on one hand, but quite exciting on the other one. So it is one of the biggest challenges, but it is uh, quite uh, um, uh, fulfilling uh, doing it. Yeah, it's so, a concept developing and, and uh, yeah, it's nice. Yes, you need always, the biggest challenge is you need always to think what new, what, how you can add more value to your current and to your new clients. You need to be thinking on that. So it took us many years to do that. It will continue taking a lot of years, uh, uh, increasing that quality, improving that uh, platform. And, and it should never stop. And I guess the challenge here is, of course, so you have, you have the resources of employees. And then you need to understand if you develop more, can we do this in the same? Or is it is it going to put strain? How is it with the business model? Can we hire more people? Is can we allow for that that balance of of um, I guess you need to. So if you add a service, you need to find out is it added value enough? Uh, is it something that's going to going to generate more and, and a more? Is it going to be more attractive so we will have more clients coming, or is it just going to put more pressure on the employees we have? I guess Actually, that's, that's, that's sort yes. of the balance. Uh, that's a very good point. That's why uh, we don't compromise on the quality that we offer. And this is the reason that we have, uh, for the time being, with the given resources, uh, only a maximum threshold of 10 universities and research institutions to join uh, Open Cosmos. There is no limitation on industry or technoparks, on SMEs or non-profit organizations, but there is a limitation on the number of universities and research institutions that, with the current resources. Why? Because we don't want to compromise with that. So. If we are going, we have, for example, eight uh, universities and research institutions so far on board, so we have a place for two more. If uh, then, as soon as we reach that point, uh, and, and then we're going to consider whether we're going to have uh, more uh, universities, but if we're going to do that, we're going to increase our resources. I understand. So you probably so the business model, uh, you your three model for universities probably lower than industry, and then just then you say, look, this is what we can manage. You have a lot of work <laughs> working with you guys. Uh, your fee is lower than from the industry, so this is what we can cope with. But what happens with this? I guess you also crack that internally. You make it. You make it exclusive. Yeah. It, it becomes exclusive if it's a limited number yeah. of seats and it, if it's something that is spreading like rings in the water in the university's world that oh, this is a this is really helping a lot well then it becomes an exclusive thing yeah then yes then, for, for the yeah. universities yes it is an exclusive yeah. thing for the universe for the 10 ones that will uh, be on in the platform yes yeah. that's 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 true which is always a good thing for any business if you can create exclusivity if you have enough uh, solidity with your product that people really want. You know, it, <laughs> it, it <laughs> that is the best. That's the place, best place to be. 
And we want and we uh, we want to our clients to be successful, and uh, they can be successful as long as they take the proper support from our side. If we are doing compromises, they will not be successful. We will fail. They will fail. So it doesn't work like that. No, well, this has been a nice talk, but Nikolaus, it's uh, it's time to uh, it's time to wrap it up. <laughs> Perfect. I enjoyed it also, Nils. It was very 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 enjoyable. Very enjoyable discussion Friday afternoon. Yeah, yeah, and I we will get I I will invite you in um, uh, in the future. So uh, so don't worry. It's uh, we will plenty of, of other things to talk about. Um, I'm just going to make a short uh, landing the plane, so to say, uh, before we say goodbye. So it was a nice journey. Thank you for that. <laughs> nice flight, dear listeners. Uh, thank you so much for listening to the end. Um, and thank you for supporting this initiative. It's important for me. I can see that things grow steadily, 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 a little bit all the time. I keep getting more listeners. It keeps spreading like rings in the water. I start getting invitations. Actually, this week I got the first invitation to be on a YouTube, another another person's YouTube uh, uh, show. Uh, and I will share that with, with you all in the... On my uh, uh, in my LinkedIn feed uh, when when that is rolling and on my my personal LinkedIn profile uh, Nils Tudovinder. So uh, stay tuned for that. It's gonna it's gonna be a short while, but uh, I'll let you know. So that's nice. That's what's happened when you stick your neck out like I do here with a podcast. Uh, people start to reach out to you uh, when you yourself reach out to people uh, and you make yourself public. So it's very nice. Uh, Content wise. Uh, I am trying to move forward with developing some some uh, some segments that are not as long <laughs> as my episodes are now because I'm much aware that growth in a podcast like this needs also to have shorter episodes because many people they don't have time to listen to to long long episodes. I have steady listeners uh, and thank you so much for you all out there that 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 uh, that have become come come regulars but uh, I need to grow also this initiative into into other groups so i will try to make some short concepts also as i move on more of that later now please by all means if you haven't done yet go to my website uh, thegrand.eu subscribe to the podcast on the email list it is the best way to grow as a podcast uh, so i always encourage people to do that um, you will also in there, if this is one of the first ones you're listening to, you will find everything uh, on the Grand EU. Uh, you will find the rest of the, the episodes. I have around 40 now. Uh, the, the universe is growing slowly. So it's, um, it's, it's an initiative that so, so slowly starts to get quite solid, actually. Um, so that's that. Nicholas, thank you so much for coming here. It was my pleasure if I may give one tip regarding uh, how people should listen to your yes. podcast because they are quite long. What I do personally, I listen them in uh, double speed, twice. So for me, it's quite effective. So one hour's podcast of yours, I can listen it into 30 minutes while I'm uh, having a lunch or so alone. That's great. That's great coaching. And I got that without submitting to your website. <laughs> 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 that you that's that's good tip for your everybody out there you you see this is what this is what Nicholas is a successful businessman <laughs> double, double speed this and uh, you can listen to much more of the grand and half the time excellent <laughs>
No, Nikolaj, always, always great to go out on a laugh. Thank you so much for coming in. Uh, and please enjoy the wonderful, wonderful Greece. We love the country. Um, yes. And we'll stay in touch. Bye. Definitely. Thank you.